Hello again, ladies and gentlemen. Ghost Nobody here, ready to bring you chapter 144 of Radiance, my original Fallout fan fiction. As always, if you can like, share and subscribe to this wherever you can, and leave feedback at the sites via fanfiction.net, archiveofourown.org, or even at my own website, ghostnobody.com. I always enjoy reading your comments and seeing what you're thinking. And, you know, if you've got any ideas, you're always free to leave them on my Discord or on these sites. And, you know, if I like the ideas... I might pick them up and use them. You never know. But if you do pop over to ghostnobody.com, why don't you check out Stormrider? You know, if big surly dragon-esque girls, orcs and elves, magical realms, and human mages are your sort of thing, check it out. You might enjoy it. And also, while you're there, why not pop over to the ghostly link section? Check out Mortis, my original novel, for sale on both Smashwords and on Amazon. Pick it up. Help support me and keep me doing what I love, bringing unlikely alien romance stories to you good people. So, without any further ado then, let's get on with the show, shall we? Oh, at first the usual legal disclaimer. I don't own Fallout or anything to do with it, that's all Bethesda. I just keep crazy tales happy. Let's get on with the show. Chapter 144, In a Mirror Darkly. 30 seconds to drop, the pilot's voice called over the comms. Roger that, she replied, getting to her feet and doing the one last check of her equipment. The skin-type modified scale suit gave her a very low silhouette and profile, as it was even even active yet. But in the unlit cabin of the vertebrate, she was still but all invisible anyway. She reached up and tapped the switch on the rear of her helmet, which fully activated the suit's systems and immediately the HUD powered up. She'd been running it in low power mode since leaving the base, to maximise the efficiency, as these things could be a bit of a pain in the ass to charge unless you had access to a few handy fusion cores. And with all the advanced sensors and stealth systems the R&D department had crammed into this thing, it could be a bit of a thirsty bitch when running at full tilt. Ten seconds, the pilot's voice chimed, and she stepped up to the door and pulled it open. The ground was barely visible below her, and even with the advanced night vision systems fully active, and turning her entire world a very vivid black and white. It was little more than a black mass far below them, with streaks of white indicating where lights were. All except for one point, that was. That stood out like a freshly minted bottle cap. It was like a hill of light right at the centre of the huge dark mass. That was her target. Drop! The pilot called, and without even thinking twice, she simply stepped out over the edge into the nothingness of the air below. Soon she began to freefall and Altimeter popped up on her head displaying a rapidly descending number that was counting down from 60,000 feet. The air whistled past her as she fell towards the ground, doing 120 miles an hour or terminal velocity. Well, that was until she decided to tuck her arms and legs up into a dart shape and accelerated to well over 200, that was. Punching through the clouds, she streaked forward towards the ground head first at high speed, being careful not to overshoot her target. She tilted and then leaned back and opened her arms and legs to slow herself down, rocking on the air. Once at a fully acceptable height, she focused her mind and released a powerful psychokinetic pulse that took her speed from 120 to basically zero in a split second. It was like being yanked upwards by an invisible parachute, but also for the briefest moments it also gave her a solid surface to kick off of. She hit the ground with a thump before ducking into a roll and emerging from it with a rifle in her hands. 
Dark Sky Actual, this is Dark Angel, how can it be over? She said into her comms after doing a quick sweep of the immediate area to ensure she was alone. Dark Angel, this is Dark Sky Actual, solid copy, go ahead, over. A female voice said over the internal comms unit that stimulated her inner ear bone so that only she could hear what was being said. Successful drop, I'm on the ground for proceeding to the target area. Over, Dark Angel said. Roger that, Dark Angel, all received and confirmed. Satellite imagery shows numerous hostels in the vicinity of the target zone. Watch your back out there. Over and out, Dark Sky said before the comms line closed off and she turned on the spot to orientate herself. The ground leading up to the target zone was pretty open and flat. Didn't exactly give much away in order of cover options. But that's why she was chosen for this mission given that she was a highly trained specialised infiltration operative. There was a slight whine from her suit as she activated the stealth systems which caused her to shimmer briefly before her body faded from sight as the inbuilt stealth field generator kicked in. On the HUD, a power bar popped in up to tell her how much juice was left in the fusion core that was plugged into the small backpack she had left in it. She had two spares on her, but she preferred not to waste them if she could help it, so she got moving with a haste. Covering the flat ground at a run was pretty easy as the inky blackness that surrounded her helped covered up the constant shimmering effect of her stealth field as it tried to adapt to her rapid movements. Another trick of this prototype suit was her boots were outfitted with a special material in the soles that not only gave her incredible grip but also muffled her every step no matter what surface she was running on. Bit of an odd sensation really though to get used to. It was kind of like running on a pair of super soft gel packs. Finally, she broke through a small copse of trees and slid to a stop before a ledge that looked down into the old quarry that lay before her. No sooner had she done so than her night vision switched over to thermal imaging to save her eyes as the bright lights would have blown out the night vision sensors. The first job she'd have to take care of would be killing the fucking lights. Reaching behind herself, she hooked her short barrel suppressed salt rifle to the clasp of the side of her backpack and reached round the other side to retrieve something far more deadly. The large 50 caliber sniper rifle supported a suppressor on the end of its telescopic barrel that was thicker than her forearm, which, as she flicked the bipod out, shot up into the air as the barrel extended itself into the firing position. Pressing a button on the side of her scope, she synced it to her HUD, and a little crosshair symbol popped up in the bottom right to indicate the sync was complete and successful. Now she set the rifle down on the floor on its bipod, firing two small rotating anchors into the ground underneath it, which held the rifle in place so the gun could tilt freely on its axis without risking falling down the slope into the quarry should it get too steep. The next step was to lower a rotator pod, which was little more than a brace that allowed the rifle to aim where she wanted it. Basically think of it like a fancy tilt jig combined with a locking sled. Once that was finally done, she tested the system was all good. Then she pulled the cocking handle on the side of the massive rifle, feeding around from the magazine into the chamber. Now that her setup was complete, she looked down into the valley that contained the large quarry and instantly saw a lot of heat signatures moving around down there. She was going to have to be careful and mind her approach slowly. Leaping down from the ledge to ledge, she'd been... On she landed on a hard dirt road that circled its way round the outer edge of the quarry wall before finally spiralling its way down towards the centre where her target lay.
Rather than taking the long way around, she bunny-hopped her way down between the layers of the road, each time using her wave of psychokinesis to kill her fall before impacting the ground softly, and more importantly, silently. On her last but one landing, she, she heard a telltale heavy clomping of power-armoured footfalls off to her right, turning slowly so that her field didn't shimmer, she saw the source of the sound. A patrol was slowly making their way towards her. There were four of them carrying heavy weapons and she instantly began sweeping their suits for any signs of weaknesses. But it was appeared these guys were all very well maintained, as was to be expected from this lot. They were 150 metres out and closing. It was time to turn off the light, she thinks. She quickly looked at the symbol in her HUD and blinked twice to kick the sink into gear, which split the HUD in half. It was looking like a split-screen display with one eye being whirled outside and the other being a view from a sniper scope. She quickly knelt down using the controls that were built into the unit on the back of her right forearm. She began to sweep the scope over the site she'd found until she found what she was looking for. Right at the centre of the complex was a large yellow triangle which had a ton of high-voltage cables running out of it. Once she centred the crosshair onto it, she tapped the trigger once to release the safety and a second time to fire. From above her, there was a very faint thud as the rifle fired its subsonic sabot round, which given, gave it a bit of a limited armour-piercing capability, while still being able to remain under the speed of sound. The large jacket smashed into the outer metal of the generator, sending its sabot core inwards into the guts of the machine, where it proceeded to bounce around like a very angry metal hornet inside the shell. The result was the generator exploded in a shower of sparks, well, thankfully it didn't detonate the fusion core powering it. She didn't even wait to see what the reaction of the patrol was. She was already moving. She needed to maximise the confusion wrought by the sudden loss of power and the darkness created in its wake. Dark Angel sprinted towards, leaping towards the last kink in the road and landing on a hard concrete floor of the quarry floor, which cracked slightly under the psychokinesis wave that slammed into it, breaking her fall. But this didn't even slow Dark Angel down for a single second as she sprinted forward, using the thick pools of inky shadows appearing between the numerous torchlights that were now popping up from the confused soldiers that were lancing back the darkness around them. Dodging around the heavy machinery laden everywhere and leaping over the massive shipping containers that littered the quarry floor, she finally made it to the central building. As she was about to deploy her electronic lockpick set to pop open the large outer door on the side of the building, it opened right in front of her, causing her to freeze solid as she found herself suddenly face to face with a soldier in a full suit of power armour. What in the name of fuck is going on up here? The soldier demanded into a radio within his suit as he marched out of the building, his helmet mounting torch cutting a swath through the darkness in front of him as he went. But even with that powerful searchlight, he failed to notice the little shimmering shadow that slipped along the wall and through the door that was closing behind him. Now looking around herself, she found that she was in a metal prefab-style corridor that ran from left to right, and she called up a floor plan that she had saved into the memory of her suit to overlay onto her HUD. The place she needed was far to her right, through a little maze of metal corridors, just kind of like this one. Dark Angel to Dark Sky Actual. I've successfully infiltrated target site, making my way to primary target. Any word on secondary? Over she said softly into her comms. 
Dark Angel, this is Dark Sky Actual, roger that. Negative visual on secondary target at this time. Must be on it, but their whereabouts are unknown at this time. Continue with primary mission and check secondary as target of opportunity. Over, Dark Sky replied. Roger that, Dark Sky Actual. Dark Angel, over and out, she said before shutting her comms down again. She knew that when she entered the area of her primary target, she'd be out of comms range. So these would be now her standing orders from this point forward, and she would not fail. The sounds of heavy armoured footfalls echoed throughout the prefab metal structure, causing the whole thing to ring like a bell any time one of the soldiers placed through it took anything other than a single step. This was both useful and somewhat of a hindrance to her. Useful in that it covered up any noise she herself might make moving through the installation, but a bit of a hindrance and it made it nigh on impossible to tell how many of these fuckers were or how many there were. She had a couple of close calls though while moving through the complex as echoes obscured the sounds of approaching patrols until they were near enough right on top of her. Though thankfully as they drew closer thermal imaging did help to give them away through the walls as those suits generated quite a lot of thermal energy allowing her to take evasive action like throwing herself into a side corridor or leaping up into the ceiling of the corridor and wedging herself into the gap to allow them to pass safely underneath her. Finally, though, she managed to make her way past all the soldiers and reached her second destination point, which was hidden deep within the complex itself. The elevator that she'd been searching for was little more than a platform with a control panel on it, but one of the dead giveaways that this was more than it appeared was the fact that it had its own power supply that was off the main grid that she'd shot out. This was given away by the fact that despite the entire place was in complete darkness, the small control panel on the left was still lit up, and her thermal imaging could see that the heat being given off through the power flowing through the circuits running underneath it. She lifted the handrail guard and stepped onto the platform before lowering it again and hitting the down button. As the lift began its long descent downward, she crouched down to lower her profile when it emerged. She didn't want to be given away as a shimmering silhouette stood on a platform. The shaft itself was narrow, no wider than the lift platform itself was really. It had been cut directly into the sheer rock itself, a precision and sharpness that was actually rather impressive. More than once, Dark Angel was tempted to reach her hand out and run, run in along the passing wall, as it did look smooth as glass, and the layers of different colours showed different types of rock that had been cut through on the way down, with various shades of blues, greens and greys all swirling together in layers. Finally, after what felt like an eternity, the platform emerged into a massive cavern hidden deep in the earth below the quarry and from here Dark Angel had a terrific view over another facility set right up in the centre of it. There were flood lamps all around the place that lit the cavern it was in up and exposed the depth of the complex itself. The facility itself was a series of prefab-like structures that had been arranged one atop the other like stacked bricks and Dark Angel wondered how in the name of hell they actually got all this stuff down here. She figured there must be a much bigger surface entrance somewhere nearby that would have allowed them to lower all this stuff down on it on a platform like the one she currently rode on, just much bigger, because there was no way in a million years that they'd brought down all the parts down this narrow-ass little tube on an elevator shaft. As the elevator reached the ground floor, Dark Angel had already hopped off the moving platform and onto the scaffolding surrounded it, 
which paid off because no sooner has it actually hit the bottom than two power armoured sentries walked up to inspect it. Hey, did you call the elevator down? One of them asked the other as they both looked at the empty platform. No, not me. Maybe one of the scientists? The other said, looking confused. Nah, none of them had left the lab in fucking days, the first one said. I heard a call that they were having some kind of power issues topside, so malfunction maybe? The second one offered. Well, I heard the call that they've had some kind of power issues topside, so malfunction maybe? The second one offered. Doubtful. This thing's on our grid, not theirs, so what affects them doesn't affect us. Last thing we want is our air going off down here because some Yahoo topside got overly trigger happy making sure some jet sucking raiders got turned into mist. The first sentry said. Think that's what happened up there? The second sentry asked and as they stepped on the platform to examine it. Doubtful. Something like that was going on there. We would have gotten a call down on the hard line. That's why the commander went up to take a look in the first place. The first sentry said as the second one examined all the switches. Both of them were completely unaware of the shimmering shadow moving over their heads using the supports from the anchored into the solid stone walls to move along until she was clear of them and able to drop down safely and silently. Using the machinery for cover, Dark Angel moved along the cavern floor until she finally reached the facility, which thanks to the loose tongues of the sentries she now had confirmation was the lab that she was looking for. Undoubtedly her primary target was inside somewhere. Now all she had to do was locate them without being detected. The lab itself had a large set of what looked like pressurised doors, undoubtedly an airlock system of some kind, which would work like a clean room system to prevent any kind of contaminants making their way into the lab area beyond. The outer door slid open with a simple press of a button, but once inside the airlock, Dark Angel instantly spotted a card reader system set up in order to prevent unauthorised access to the lab beyond. It was once again time to break out her bag of tricks. A lock like this wouldn't stop her from completing her mission. Reaching into her suit's pouches, she extracted a small device that was designed with the sole intention of breaking through these kinds of electronic locks. It was shaped with a card with a few small clamps along its outer edge to hold it in place. Pulling a small coupling wire from her wrist-mounted computer, she connected this device to the small computer on her wrist and a small symbol popped up in her HUD to indicate the device was connected and active. Sliding the card side into the slot provided on the reader, she engaged the clamps, which held it in place in the reader, while allowing her to monitor its progress on her HUD, while also making decisions on what algorithm needed to be used. A series of five red lights cycled along the top of the reader as the hardware and software did their things, extracting any cold fragments from the memory cache, of the reader and trying to assemble them into a usable code. Essentially the device worked like a similar principle of using the old trick of a fingerprint dust on a keypad which you then because once you then had the numbers you just tried to assemble the code into the correct order. Just this was much faster. Only a single minute later the device had the code and all five red lights went green as the lock was popped open. As Dark Angel packed her breaker away she really hoped she wouldn't come across any more of these locks as it was a pain in the arse to unpack and repack this stuff every time she wished to use it. Before the door was opened there was a loud hiss from above her and the sprinklers and the ceiling began to ring water droplets down onto her. It disrupted her cloak somewhat as the water interfered with the matrix controlling it 
Plus, it also gave her a human-shaped translucent appearance in the, as the water itself, where it was hitting her and sliding off the hydrophobic material that made up her suit. Fortunately, this only lasted for a few seconds before the water shut off and was replaced by a high-pressure air-drying system to blow away any water that was currently still clinging to her. Once the cycle was complete, the door slid open and she was granted access to the inner labs beyond it. Now, while the outer walls of the labs appeared to be made of some kind of metal, the inside was nothing like that at all. The corridors seemed to be made out of some polycarbonate or some other variant of polymer. The inner walls were all see-through. You could see exactly what was happening in each of the labs from the corridor beyond without ever, ever having to enter them. Now, whether this was to promote transparency between colleagues and the scientists working within, or so the higher-ups could keep an effective eye on their subordinates, was currently unknown. By the layout there seemed to be six labs per level, three on each side of the corridor, with a set of stairs at the end that would let them to travel to the level above. Inside of the labs each of the scientists were wearing clean suits, but fortunately not hooked up to oxygen, which meant that while they were taking the clean part seriously, there was nothing toxic or biological in nature beyond those walls. Moving forward down the narrow corridor, slowly she glanced into one of the labs at the at a time, looking for her target. With them all wearing clean suits that covered up the vast majority of their faces and bodies, this was going to get a little tricky. That's when she had an idea. Most likely her primary and secondary targets were going to be together, so if she could identify the primary then she'd be able to easily identify the secondary. So glancing once again at the stored picture in her suit's memory, she moved off again. She found herself amazed that the insection managed to actually get pictures this clear in here. The only way they could have been able to do that was if they managed to get someone in here to infiltrate the labs in the first place. Which did beg the question, if they've already managed to get someone this close, why the hell didn't they do the job themselves? Why send her at all? Shrugging internally, she moved on after confirming the lab she was looking at didn't hold what she was looking for. At the end of the day, hers was not to ask why, hers was to do or die, the duty of a soldier. The second floor also held no sign of her targets, so this only left the third and final floor. This was going to leave her with a very long way to go to make her escape from this place once the job was complete. She really hoped that no one would be able to set off any of the alarms she'd seen located around this place, otherwise close quarter environment like this one, there was going to be some kind of hell to pay. As she reached the top floor, she realised the layout had changed somewhat. Instead of the six smaller labs, now there were only two, one on either side of the corridor. One to the left seemed to be studying what appeared to be what looked like some kind of weapon, with a rather odd-shaped rifle set into a holder plinth right in the centre, while scientists circled around it, scanning it with numerous devices. In the other lab, she saw a sight that made a smile crack out onto her face. Right there in the centre of the room was a large glowing crystal about the size of a baseball. It was sat on a plastic plinth with all sorts of electrodes and sensors hooked up to it. And standing next to it were two men in white clean suits. Bingo! She was in the right place. She looked at the door to the lab and sighed heavily as she noticed another one of those annoying fucking card readers. But she wouldn't let this minor inconvenience deter her. So once again she reached into her pouches and connected the cracker up before sliding it into place. The locks released with a satisfying click that made both of the men turn to look who was joining them in their lab. 
The looks of sheer confusion on their face were readable, even with most of them covered up, as they saw apparently no one there. What the hell? Oh, don't tell me the locking systems are on the fritz again. That's the third time this week, one of the men said, approaching the door, pulling it open to look at it. As he got close enough, Dark Angel saw that the man had black skin and dark brown eyes. Not the one she was looking for. So with a swiftness born of a lifetime of practice, she snapped up her heavily suppressed 10mm and fired twice in rapid succession. The first bullet hit the man square between the eyes and the second dead centre in the heart, impacting even before his head had fully time to snap back on his neck from the first impact. What the hell? The second man yelled and went to run for the alarm only for a bullet to hit it about a split second before he had a chance to slam his hand down on it. The box popped like a metal zit as the 10mm smashed into it, rendering it useful, despite the scientist slamming his fist repeatedly against the large red button in a futile attempt to make it work. Dr. Rudenberger, I presume, Dark Angel said, and the man snapped his attention towards the sound of her voice. Yes, and who the hell are you? he exclaimed angrily. That is not your concern. She replied happy with a confirmation from his own panicked lips. She fired again, but this time it wasn't a 10mm slug that slammed into the man's chest, but a large hypodermic dart filled with a green liquid. The scientist barely had time to look down and let alone pull out the dart before he slumped to the ground. But he wasn't dead, only unconscious, though when he woke up he probably was going to wish he was dead. Ever the one for thoroughness, she walked over and pulled back his clean hood and mask just to make sure and to check his face from the picture she had on file. When she saw the weathered face of the elderly scientist staring back at her, she nodded before reaching into her pouches again and pulling out some zip-tie handcuffs for his wrists and ankles. Once he was secure, she made her way over to the crystal and looked at it. The thing looked like the head of a morning star weapon, but made out of glowing emerald. The intelligence indicated the crystal didn't give off any energy that was harmful to humans, so it should be safe to handle. But as she reached into the stand to grab it, no sooner had her hand made contact with it than her whole body went rigid and her vision was wiped clean away. Flashes and pulses of light th th pulsed through her mind, and for a brief moment she could see what appeared to be a death claw. But she wasn't in the lab anymore, but outside, in what appeared to be a town of some kind? There were people and creatures all around her, but they weren't fighting. In fact, they seemed to be talking and getting along, though she couldn't hear or understand anything that was being said. What the hell was this and where was she? That's when the vision flashed back out like somebody turning off a light and she was back in the room again. She shook her head to clear it now and she looked down at the spiky crystal in her hand. There seemed to be some sort of green electrical charge arcing between her and it, but it didn't hurt. In fact, she could barely feel it. But somehow, on some level, she was aware of it pulsing through her body. She quickly stuffed the circular crystal into the carrier that was strapped to her backpack that was designed to hold it. And once it was sealed away again inside that lined case, she still felt the lingering effect tingling her skin, like she'd been holding a live wire. And that's when shit hit the fan. Apparently the charge not only disrupted her cloaking tech, but fully disabled it. But it was only long enough for the scientists in the other lab across the way to notice her. And they also noticed the dead scientist, and the now cuffed one laid on the floor. They hit the alarm.
fuck, she cursed as the klaxon began to blare above her from the ceiling. And above the door, a large shutter dropped to secure the lab and to lock its occupants inside. Obviously a measure designed to hold any would-be thief or intruder in place until security arrived. She dashed over to where her unconscious captive lay and she lifted him up and onto her back, fixing his ankles around her waist and her ri his wrists around her neck. He was heavy, but nowhere near heavy enough to impede her movement, thankfully. She slapped a small stealth boy unit to him which rippled into effect and joined his field to hers, now fully encasing them both in a bubble of invisibility as her matrix was now back online. Now all she had to do was get out of here before any power-armoured morons showed up. There were no locks on this side of the door and outside it had been sealed off by the shutter. She could hear the heavy footfalls of power-armoured soldiers below her. So this left her only one option. She was going to have to fight her way out. Focusing her mind, she felt a rush of energy coursing through her. And usually, she didn't feel any of the pain that came with it. In fact, if anything, she felt like she had more power than she'd ever had before. Like the energy rippling through her was now connected to her somehow, changing her on a level that she didn't understand. But whatever the case was, she released a psychokinetic blast towards the door. And while she did expect it to damage it enough possibly to f make a hole that she was capable of breaking out of, she wasn't exactly expecting it to blow the entire door and shutters behind it clean off their mountings. She felt the power tear through her like a bolt of fucking lightning, and when it exited her, left with the force of a bomb. She actually felt the wave colliding with the door, and felt the material it was made out of compressing under the weight of the force behind it before giving way. When the pressure became too much for it, the door and shutter simply just exploded outwards, smashing clean through the shutters of the other lab and blowing them inwards as well. Holy shit! She exclaimed, looking at her hand, and for a moment she, she saw smoke rising off her fingertips. But she didn't exactly have time to sit and speculate about what in the name of hell had just happened. Those heavy footfalls were getting real fucking loud. She darted out into the corridor, and instead of heading for the stairs, she headed for the other end of the corridor, where she crouched down and remained still. Just then, four soldiers emerged into the tight hallway from the stairwell and looked at the damage to their left and right. What in the name of fuck happened here? The leader of the squad asked, looking around. Did one of their experiments explode or something? One of the others asked. No idea, but heads on a swivel until we know for sure, the leader said, panning their weapon around. Ah, oh, fuck, Paladin, look at this, one of the others said, pointing to a lab opposite, and four soldiers turned to look into the lab. Oh, fuck. It looks like whatever blew this out took them out along with it. Looks like the blast originated from this lab by the pattern. Better check for survivors, the paladin said, and the four soldiers climbed into the hole they just made with her power. As the last man climbed in, she moved, slipping past them and down the hallway into the stairwell. She'd only managed to make it down one level before she heard a shout. Holy shit, this one's been shot! We've got an intruder! She heard and this made her pick up the pace rather quickly. She raced down the stairs to the main entrance of the labs. As she reached it, the door she found opening inwards towards her, and instantly found herself staring at another group of power-armoured soldiers. Fucking stealth armour! The soldier in the front exclaimed as he saw the shimmering caused by her rapid movement, and four very large weapons started snapping up in her direction. 
Without even thinking about it, she reached out with her mind and flung her hands outwards. A burst of psychokinetic power tore through her and exited through her fingertips, impacting the men and sending them sailing backwards like they weighed no more than leaves in a breeze. It was like somebody hit them all with a giant invisible golf club. All four of them rocketed backwards and simply smashed the outer airlock door clean off as they travelled through it like an arm-piercing bullet. Dark Angel stood there for a moment, blinking at the pure destruction she just unleashed, without even thinking about it. Sure, she knew this ability of hers could unleash quite the power, but she'd never seen it this easy to focus, or indeed this potent before. Something had changed in her. She had the feeling it had something to do with that strange crystal. It was like it had connected something up inside her that was once loose. Something, it was like somebody had bound two loose wires together so that the current could now flow through them again. Now, whether it was a short-lived thing or a permanent one, that was currently up for debate. But what she, what she did know was she was going to have to use it for her advantage. And it had just become her ticket out of here. She exited the lab so the shattered remains of the three outer doors. She could see more soldiers coming up from further down the cavern. She figured they must have a barracks head down there somewhere, but that didn't matter. There was no way they were going to reach her before she got to the elevator, so she ran. She reached the elevator where the two sentries that had been stood there checking it were still there. They never even saw what hit them as she simply flung them out of the way and sent them spinning down the car cavern like a pair of metal cartwheels. Closing the gate as she got in, she slammed the button to send the cab shooting back up the shaft, and thankfully it climbed a hell of a lot faster than it descended. She didn't particularly feel like getting trapped in this shaft as someone got up there got smart and simply dropped a hand grenade down on her head. But fortunately it seemed that whatever comms the Brotherhood had been using here, no one had simply thought to pick up and call ahead to the surface. Because when she arrived up there, the place was still in darkness and they were still trying to figure out what the fuck happened to their generator. But they must have been a lot more suspicious of a saboteur now because there was a lot more patrols here than it had been earlier in the night. But to be fair, this was no problem for her. Slipping past them unnoticed in this wide open space was child's play, and as she made her way up the slip road that led out to the quarry, finally she reached the top where her sniper rifle was waiting, and then she heard the blaring caxons from the bottom of the quarry. She turned and seen floodlights arcing around as more soldiers flooded out to their barracks to search for her. Too little, too late, fuckers she said before thumbing her comm systems as she retrieved her rifle. Dark Angel to Dark Sky Actual, how copy over? She asked and there was a moment's silence before the comms kicked back in. Dark Angel, this is Dark Sky Actual, solid copy, go ahead, over. The comms operator replied. Primary and secondary targets secured, now heading to evac site. Over, she said. Roger that, Dark Angel, nice work as always. See you soon, Dark Sky out operator said and dark angel had turned and headed off into the night yeah, so that was chapter 144 ladies and gentlemen but who is this mysterious dark angel and what's their goal and what is that power they've got and what was that thing that they picked up only going to be one way to answer those questions and so many more gonna have to tune in next time so until next time this is ghost nobody signing off and saying i'll see you all next time